Music, news, entertainment. It's all right here. This is The Kelly Alexander Show. Hey, it's Kelly Alexander, and we're very happy to kick off our special series celebrating Janet Jackson's induction into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame by speaking to Emmy-nominated writer David Wilde. We're also joined this week by graphic designer Amy Stevlin, who has just launched an artistic project celebrating the 30th anniversary of Janet Jackson's Rhythm Nation album. Our music editor Sharon Hyland will be by on the show this week, and we've got new music for you from Ex-Ambassadors, the Julian Taylor Band, and Florence and the Machine. But first, let's get to chatting with David Wilde, who has interviewed Janet Jackson in the past and has great insight into her very successful career. David, welcome back to The Kelly Alexander Show. My pleasure. First of all, David, I wanted to start with your first memories of Janet. When did she actually come into your existence? Well, I mean, I think uh, I was aware of the pre-Jimmy Jam Terry Lewis uh, album, but I don't remember hearing it. I just remember sort of seeing that cover and then... When Control hit, uh, the whole world was uh, well aware. And then I interviewed her, I think, around the time of the... In fact, I think I went into the studio when she was finishing the Janet record. Um, And so that would have been the first time I ever met her. Uh, And uh, then the whole world was aware of her by then. Can you actually give us your first impressions of her when you met her in person and were able to interview her? Because I know in the past, uh, it sort of depends, it seems, on, on, on the day. Sometimes it seems like she's really shy doing interviews, and then other times she's very forthcoming. So what was your first take and impression of her? I, I think actually the first time I met her that, in that experience while she was working on Janet was she was in a dance rehearsal uh, for a video shoot. <clears throat> and uh, to be honest, I was struck by... She was really sweet, really, uh, I'll just be honest, really beautiful. Uh, I just remember, you know, I think like the Jackson family has sort of, uh, you can feel a little, uh, it can be a little daunting to be around them because they're so iconic. And I just remember thinking she was very approachable, very, uh, very, very pleasant to interview, very uh, kind. And it's like one thing I've noticed is that people who have those showbiz families, you know, (laughs) whether it's. Osmonds or Jacksons, uh, you know, people of who sort of grew up around show business are often they know how to do an interview. <laughs> they right. know how to be. They they're 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 pros. Uh, and she was very kind, very forthcoming, very likable, uh, and very beautiful. Now, can you talk to us a little bit? I, I guess about when you um, realized that she was more than just her last name. Um, well, I, I mean, I for one, you know, I I love the Jackson Five and. Uh, uh, I love the Jacksons, um, but I, uh, I'm a, I think, you know, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis are, you know, geniuses or like a two-guy Motown in their own right, but with a very different sound, you know, with something more modern than that sort of classic, at least 60s, 70s. Uh, they sort of, I think, set the stage a little bit more, uh, more for the era that we live in now where the sort of you know, the sort of R&B hip-hop producer auteurs. Uh, but in the case of Janet, I think they had a very, very strong person who was, like, amused to channel through. And I think that really the explosion of her career is in that musical marriage of just the, these guys who sort of were sensitive enough as men, as producer-writers, not to, you know, project on a sound or an attitude, but to take you know the point of view of this incredibly uh strong um you know young woman sort of finding her own voice 
So I think it's really interesting that these two guys, and I was actually just with them uh, recently, sat it down with them uh, for another reason, and uh, I think that they're sort of a the alchemy of those three people is something that will go down, you know, for the ages. In preparing for this interview, I kind of just went and looked through all of Janet's releases. Like, I just kind of wanted to see all of her album titles, like, in order and, and just to kind of get my brain in that in that mind frame. And it's incredible. From 1986 through to 2001, uh, she was flying with so many amazing projects. Control, Rhythm Nation, Janet, uh, Design of a Decade, which was her best of, um, The Velvet Rope, All For You. She was definitely on fire. What's your take on her ability uh, for coming out with six albums that influenced not only her fans at that time, but music fans in general, and then her fellow artists, and then younger artists who were coming up behind her? Because those 90s, you know, late 80s, early 90s, and then right through the 90s was fantastic for her. Yeah, I think what's funny is that it was a... I mean, it's, she wasn't the only person having that kind of moment in that. I think you can look at Madonna and you can look at Janet Jackson as two women who sort of found their way through to, you know, the very, very top of the sort of game. Uh, Janet more rooted in, in R&B, but not, you know, <laughs> you know uh, also with a very, very much a foot in, in pop music and uh, and people who knew how to use choreography and video right as that sort of that apex of the video age uh at the apex in a way of the music business they were both you know sort of taking the music business to a sort of mass marketed branded place it really had never been you know it was sort of in video in in showmanship um and yeah i think she had an incredibly powerful moment i mean and it was interesting is she sort of she was there's no doubt that people knew she was a jackson but she was her own person and that's virtually impossible to do it was you know god knows her uh, her brothers besides michael had a hard time with that it just you know it's 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 amazing that she was able to declare her independence and i think you know it's almost like with control she was declaring her independence from a relationship but also in a way from you know, being defined entirely as like the little sister of this famous family, she really became this sort of, uh, you know, musical supernova in her own right. And, uh, you know, she had a remarkable run. Joining us on The Kelly Alexander Show is Emmy-nominated writer David Wilde. Make sure to follow him on Twitter, at WildAboutMusic. I wanted to bring you to 2004. Uh, Janet put out Demita Joe, which had great content, but then it got buried behind the Super Bowl fiasco. And recently it's come to light that apparently uh, CBS's former chief, Les Moonves, made it his personal mission uh, to go after her career because he allegedly didn't get the apology he wanted from her following the Super Bowl fallout. Um, and we, from what we hear, he had stations ban her music, uh, appearances were, were cut, um, and basically everything else. What are your thoughts on these allegations? You know, um, I work uh, in television. Uh, I, I, I'm a writer-producer of the Grammys. I don't think... Uh, I don't think it's my place to, I, I don't know, and I don't actually believe that one person could do that damage. I think the actual incident did damage. Uh, and, you know, I don't know. I, what's funny is all these years later, do we actually know what happened? Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think we do. Uh, right. I don't know if she's, if she's ever quite, I don't know. Uh, I, I know that, uh, yeah, obviously there was, a, you know, people make judgments. I know that Justin Timberlake, uh, you know, 
had his sort of commercial fortunes, literally, like I think sponsorship deals and his recording career. And, uh, I think he did offer, as I remember, some kind of apology. And uh, she didn't. I, I don't know, you know, what the big deal was. Uh, it's too long ago for me to remember. I don't, I don't think I was ever outraged. Uh, um, but I do think, um, uh, you know, I think there's a, unfortunately, a tradition in, especially if you with the Jackson family of, with her brother's example of, you know, when things become not about the music, it can be damaging to careers. You know, I mean, I think, you know, she made an amazing series of hits, and it somehow it seemed like uh, she got disconnected from purely being a musical figure and being a figure of uh, that controversy, which is unfortunate. I think she the records have always held up. I yeah. mean, you know, it's like uh, uh, those records were, you know, obviously some of them have a production stamp of a certain era, but they are timeless in their sort of, ability to move us literally and figuratively and uh i i've never stopped listening to her i've never stopped being a fan and i think she obviously has survived it and she's still you know but i think it sort of threw her off her game uh and it threw other people off sort of just enjoying i think she was always a very positive figure and i think unfortunately that incident you know uh and i'm i'm not blaming her but i think it sort of just it, it literally mucked things up for a, a long time. Now, earlier you mentioned um, Madonna obviously having a lot of success in the 90s as well. And when it comes to the Rock Hall of Fame, like she was pretty much, Madonna I'm speaking about now, pretty much got inducted right away. Like, you know, right within the year, I think she was eligible pretty much. For Janet, it took not only several years for her to even get nominated, but then it's taken three attempts to get in. What's your thoughts on that, David? Like, do you think there's some specific reason why it took so long for her to even just get nominated? Uh, Because she was eligible as of 2007. Um, I, I think it's, you know, uh, I'm not a, I'm a voter. I am not a nominator. I'm a, uh, so I, I, you know, I, 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 I cast a vote for her. That's all I can tell you. Uh, I don't know. I think part of it is the sort of, you know, some people have an issue with the Jackson family. Some people can't uh, separate, you know, there's it, sort of some level of guilt by association uh, for some people, not me. Uh, I think, some, and not not just guilt about, you know, uh, Michael's issues, but I think more about just sort of taking someone seriously. I think in the case of Michael Jackson, it really took his death for some people to sort of remember that he might be the most talented vocalist of our times and a gifted singer-songwriter. And in Janet's case, I think, you know, the fact that she was so young and that those records were part of this sort of they were created in large measure by a triumvirate, by, you know, that sort of power trio. Sometimes maybe, you know, I think I don't think Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis are in the hall either. Uh, I think, frankly, all three of them should have been long ago. Okay. And I did want to ask you, too, because I haven't interviewed you about this before, but when it comes to her 2015 album, Unbreakable, because there obviously was a, a long period between albums, um, or between like con- like consistently new music, what was your thoughts on the Unbreakable album? Because it got a lot of positive respect, not only from the fans, but also from critics alike at the time, because it was so... Well, first of all, it was great to have her back with new music. It was great to have socially conscious lyrics from her again, because a lot of artists don't even do that. And then, in my opinion, it was also um, such a great eclectic album, because there was... There was good dance songs, but then there was the socially conscious songs as well. 
Yeah, you know, um, I, I liked it very much, but um, it's 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 a difficult thing. And again, to go back to Madonna, when a pop artist, when a a literal a mass audience kind of artist doesn't stops connecting with that mass audience, it's strange because one of the ways you experience the record is in mass media. That you, you know, that there's artists like that who are meant to have hit songs that sort of are, you know, and we live in a world now where things are much more fragmented and it's harder for anyone to have that kind of major pop audience. And it's certainly hard for anyone who's not 18. And perhaps as it should be, we are not living in Madonna's world or Janet Jackson's world. We're living in Camila Cabello and Shawn Mendes's world and, you know, Cardi B's world, you know. And uh, uh, so it's weird, it's, you know... To be honest, you know, I happen to be working right now today on a, an Aretha Franklin special. And just to be, you know, balanced in these sort of things, there's vocally neither Janet Jackson nor Madonna are Aretha Franklin. They, you know, it's an, it was an era of music where uh, star power and impact demand, you know, had a lot to do with a sense of style, with a sense of understanding video, of choreography of sort of the dance of of hit making but not as much with pure musical skill so i think it's harder for artists uh who do that once they are no longer the very apex to maintain that sort of uh focus uh uh and janet had to overcome obviously controversies and uh but the truth is at the core she's a wonderful you know, singer, a wonderful uh, uh, musical figure, and uh, who has chosen her collaborators very wisely and made, you know, every once in a while there's a record that I'll just, you know, reconnect with. Like, uh, I love All For You. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it's just one of the greatest songs ever. And uh, Or when I met her, you know, like, uh, like that's the way love, uh, 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 you know, that's, that there's records where you'll reconnect and hear them apart from the sort of pop culture moment and just realize you love something at the heart of her. And I think that at her best, she brought a lot of heart to music at a time when there was a little less of it going on. Right. And um, I wanted to ask you too, David, because I was all over your Twitter. First of all, I follow you religiously anyways, but I was all over your Twitter just again. I apologize. Again. <laughs> no, I love it. I was all over your Twitter um, uh, just again to make sure I was up to speed with everything. And I, I went back into uh, mid-December or just early December, I guess, around the uh, the Billboard uh, Women in Music event, which I, I believe you attended. Um, and I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. Obviously, it's been uh, quite the year for women in the entertainment industry as a whole to try to get their voices heard. And and uh, I know that you know Ariana Grande was um, nominated this year for Woman of the Year, and there were so many other amazing female artists that got their due, including Cindy Lauper and Janelle Monae, and the list goes on. Um, do you find that heading forward, women are in a good place in the music industry? Like, do you think uh, things will change for the better? I think they are changing for the better, and I think uh, the, the larger sort of Me Too moment has woken up uh, me, men in general, to just sort of like the uh, insanity of how, like, uh, you know, I'm sort of mildly obsessed in country world where I also, you know, I do a lot of work in that country world and know a lot of the country artists. And, like, you know, there's this sort of insane moment there where country radio is not playing women. They sort of, 
have a philosophy that you know a lot of the fan base is female and they and they assume women only want to hear men which is another bizarre leap uh and uh i do think all over music i'm sensing men <laughs> finally sort of waking up that you have like i actually you know if you follow me on twitter i always did a song of the day and i decided for like a few months to do like uh you know musical woman of the day and like literally take a you know there's women like uh janelle monet who i think you can obviously see janet as one of her influences and uh you know in 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 terms of overall presentation and vibe and uh i think it we all need to do what we can to make sure focus is more fairly divided. Cause I think we, you know, unfortunately we're all uh, victims of our own uh, patriarchal uh, upbringings and the sort of built in sexism that, you know, Janet ran into uh, obviously on some level, uh, especially with women, we seem to love them for being, you know, musically and visually appealing. And then we sort of hate them for, changing or pushing things too far in someone's mind or for getting older, God forbid, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> sort of, uh, I think that's really, you know, in the case of Janet and Madonna, I think that's one thing I find, you know, someone, and I'm sure you can do this, you know, as well as anyone on earth with your, you know, podcast and all. Uh, but like, why do we seem to get so angry at women whose music is very sexual, eventually, why do we turn on them as a culture eventually? It's sort of like, uh, the, you know, it's like uh, I'm also working on an, uh, an Elvis Presley special, and it's like, you know, eroticism and rock and roll were sort of the same thing. Literally, that's what referred to with sex. But it seems like we're sort of tougher on women who uh, rock and roll us than we are on men. I did want to ask you just briefly, too, before I let you go, about the, you know, because a lot of the arguments for the Rock Hall are that, you know, it's supposed to be rock artists, rock artists, rock artists. But I always felt, and I, a couple of my colleagues, we've had this conversation as well at the radio station, that the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is a general term wh- where underneath that it's, or an umbrella term, if you want to call it, where underneath that there's all the other influences. So that's why it was always hard for me when people would say, well, Janet's not a rock artist. So what's your thoughts on the well, hall in general? Like, I feel like it is other genres and that's just an umbrella term. Yeah, listen, I I think that's a uh, form of racism, and I, I hear it in many contexts, like when uh, Beyonce got nominated in a rock category uh, a couple, like a year or two ago in the Grammys, I remember I was on some show, and I was just so offended that they were offended by <laughs> Beyonce, you know, being nominated in a rock category. It's like, you know, because frankly, you know, uh, a lot of white artists uh, took rock and roll, you know, <laughs> from black artists, you know, and or or at least it was a fusion of all of that. And then to somehow think that rock and roll is like the white people and divided up that way is insane. It's an insane uh, to not see that it's a the catch all is like, I think it's for the post rock and roll era. That's how I think of it. You know, it's like, you know, the dividing line from when it went from crooners to, you know, uh, you know, Chuck Berry, Elvis, that's so basically popular music from then on. Uh, I think, and I was an early, you know, I've been a voter forever at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I, you know, so I'm, you know, I just as, you know, feel just as strongly about LL Cool J getting in uh, that, as I do about, I'm happy the zombies got in, but I'm mad LL Cool J is not in. And 
I know uh, I like to think of it as these figures who literally rock and rolled music, who you know just changed the game. And uh, that's LL, you know, that's Janet. That's also, the, you know, the zombies. It's also, uh, you know, I want the monkeys in. Right. <laughs> I, I, uh, uh, I'm, I I want anyone who really connects with you know popular music uh, to be to be in there and to be represented. I wanted to ask you: Are you going to be at the induction ceremony, David? Uh, probably not. Uh, I'm very much, my head is very much in the Grammys, the, yeah, and the various tribute shows that we're doing right now. So I haven't even thought about, uh, I've only gone when they're, uh, I used to go when I lived in New York, but I live in LA. And so I really only go when they're in LA. I've contributed to them over the years in different ways, but I, uh, I usually can't be there. And before I let you go, I did want to ask as well, um, I know you mentioned the Aretha special you're working on, the Elvis special. Is there something else you want to make sure that we're aware of that's coming out that we need to, to check out for work from you? Uh, I, I would consulted on the craziest show uh, that is uh, The Mass Singer. And uh, I, it is unlike things I normally am involved with, but I think it's an absolute blast. I love this show. It's I don't know if it's made it to uh, Canada yet, but it is the... Uh, yeah, it's a great guessing game, and I, I, I tell people to look for the mass Singer, too. Okay, perfect. Well, David, thank you so much for doing this. It's always such a pleasure to speak to you, and we wish you the best of luck and all the best for 2019 as well. No, my pleasure. Great talking to you. That's Emmy-nominated writer David Wild. Make sure to follow him on Twitter, at WildAboutMusic. Now, up next is our music editor, Sharon Hyland. This week, we are talking about the legendary Gladys Knight and the fact that she's been chosen to sing the national anthem at this year's Super Bowl. Now, Miss Sharon, uh, Gladys is receiving a lot of flack from certain people who think that she should not be singing the anthem in Atlanta to support uh, QB uh, Colin Kaepernick, who Mm -hmm. has had lots of... um, Difficulties, we'll put that word mildly, over the last several years yeah. uh, because he stood up for things that he believed in by taking a knee during the anthem. It's called all kinds of a ruckus. And no one can sort of prove that he can't get a job, but it seems that that's exactly what's going on because of the stances that he has taken over the last couple of years. And he's, uh, from last check, he's still in um, legal you know, uh, proceedings, if you will, to try to get things, you know, to right the ship. So a lot of people, and it's funny, like, I don't know if it's because the Super Bowl is in Atlanta this year and, uh, you know, some people view that as a very much urban city. And so she's getting flack. Like, why are you singing? A lot of urban artists, a lot of African-American artists have been g- given a lot of flack as to not, you know, uh, be involved in this year's Super Bowl. So she is now one of them, which is crazy because she's the legendary Gladys Knight. She's Gladys Knight. Yes. Now, uh, what, how is she reacting to this flack? So she has uh, released a statement, which was very long, but I did grab uh, a section of it. So she Just goes, grab like one sentence from the middle, right. and let's see what happens. You ready? So it goes, <laughs> uh, it's unfortunate that our national anthem has been dragged into this debate when the distinctive senses of the national anthem and fighting for justice should each stand alone. Hmm. That's part of like her, yeah. you know, bigger, bigger. But I should also mention, by the way, uh, Gladys is from Atlanta, mm-hmm. so this is very much a homecoming for her in a way, and also just supporting the city that she's from. And all that sort of stuff that goes along with it. And she, like she says in, in in other parts of that statement, you know, she's been around longer than some of these people have been born that are now going after these. Um, she's been fighting the fight. She's been fighting the fight than, longer. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fighting the this seemingly never ending fight. Right. Which is clearly important. Like clearly important. But I guess her take, and I think some other people's take, is that it's all getting wrapped up in one big thing. Yeah. And they should be separate issues. And that's uh, has that's is what always happens. Mm-hmm. Everything, it sort of snowballs in the wrong way. Right. 
She's Gladys Knight. Mm -hmm. She's not an idiot. Right. (laughs) No, no, she's not. The end. I'm out. You're done? Because I did have another question for you. (laughs) I don't have time for it. You don't have time for it. All right. (laughs) After that big end. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think, though, that... um, an entertainment sporting event like the Super Bowl halftime show, and even the Super Bowl, is it's entertainment. Uh, do you think it's a place for these things to arise? Because in a way, you want a huge um, event that will attract a lot of attention where you can get your points across. Because sometimes in smaller venues or smaller events or what have you, it's not going to make national news. This is clearly going to make national news. Yeah. So what's your take on that? Because it's I think a lot of times art and, and art-related things are what pushes humanity forward in a way uh but then this is also the halftime show yeah i think that uh it's such a it's such a gray area and like we just said that it's it's a snowball effect of many elements um that on one hand i can totally appreciate the use of the room mm-hmm. you know because right. there, there will be so many eyes and ears on mm-hmm. on this event um but at the same time uh i don't know you want to you want to make sure that the impact is is felt, but should should it come down to Gladys Knight or not of anybody of color not not rise above mm-hmm. this occasion and sort of own it? Right. It's know. interesting too because again, I feel like the fact that it's the city of Atlanta as opposed to like the city of Denver, like it's getting more. Um, emphasis on it this year because the Colin Kaepernick situation has been going on at least two years at least it might even mm-hmm. be longer than that and so again I'm not sure if it's because Atlanta you know has been viewed as hot Atlanta like with regards to a lot of the the uh, the music com- that comes out of there which is amazing you know and and a lot of you know hip-hop southern hip-hop comes out of there and R&B as we've talked about so I don't know if that's Again, just be more of a hotbed issue, but like Cardi B pulled out, or, or I said, or I should say, never even signed on to do it. Maroon Five has agreed to do uh, this, the halftime show, as, as we know. Mm-hmm. Um, they've managed to get Travis Scott to agree to be a part of it, which I think was a big uh, bonus for the NFL to get an African American artist who is at the top of his game right now to be a part of it. But then others have stepped away, like Rihanna. I've heard, and I can't confirm this, but I've heard that she was actually offered this this halftime show. She turned it down completely. Again, apparently in support of the Colin Kaepernick situation. So, I don't know. It just seems like this Atlanta situation, again, as opposed to Denver or if it was in uh, Milwaukee or whatever. It's just, it seems like it's different this year. I wonder, though, um, like, the fact that, I I think that whoever hired Gladys Knight to do this and whoever is in charge of assigning these duties knows what they're doing. Mm -hmm. So, it's by no mistake that Gladys Knight will be doing or or was asked to do the uh the um national anthem um but it's it's i don't know it's just become sort of like yeah everybody starts thinking that way and that sort of i can't do it cardi b wouldn't do it because she is supporting calling what was she from, going to do exactly i think she well because she uh has a song with maroon five. Oh right okay so she would have been a featured performer with right them. okay yeah but and also i guess i will backtrack a little bit too and say that initially I don't even know. I think the Colin Kaepernick situation has been a part of it from the get-go. But initially, I think a lot of the problem, again, because of the hotbed of artists that come out of Atlanta, initially there was a, a huge controversy over the fact that Maroon 5, a California band, 
was going to get this. Well, there's gig. no win then, right? Right. So it just seems like this. This is. Did cr- they get in trouble for? Is it just because they're from California that people were? Uh, no, a I think it's well because I think they felt like they should have got, you know, X Y Z out of Atlanta. Do now, Big Boy from Outcast is going to be a part of it, right? Uh, again, I'm, I think is he, he getting flack. No, and it's funny because it's almost like he's got street cred, so they're not coming down on him. But then, like, but Travis Scott, for some reason, again, I don't know if it's because he's not from there. Like, I don't know. But it's it's been a very topsy-turvy... It's cloudy. It's cloudy. And, and it's, it's hard to see where the issues actually lie. And I can't lie. imagine that Colin Kaepernick is, is, uh, would sanction any of it. You know, like, that's right, you should be mad at Gladys Knight. Or, that's right, you should be yeah. at this person. This, like, there's no win. right. Which is a shame because the win is simple. Be respectful. Yeah. Don't say stupid stuff. Treat people fairly and and with um, consideration. Mm-hmm. Like the world should work way better, but it doesn't. So there's there would be no win for anybody participating in this event. Yeah, and that's the other thing too is like again, like you said, cloudy. I think is a good word because I've read a lot of social media responses, and it's like okay, you don't want. XYZ to be involved in the halftime show because it's quote unquote disrespectful to Colin Kaepernick's cause. But then what about all of the um, African American players that have to play because it's their job? You know what I mean? Like well, they're playing the for the teams and then and all the support staff that might happen to be African American and that's their job. So it's just, I, again, I, I totally applaud Colin's um, efforts to get uh, his issues to the forefront. But it just seems like this Atlanta Super Bowl is getting all kinds of, like you said, cloudy matters. And it shouldn't be that way. That's what I mean. Like, Kaepernick is not, would never say any of the stuff to to validate any of the claims against anybody participating in the event itself. Because he was contractually obligated to do whatever he was contractually obligated to do. Mm-hmm. Whether or not he broke those agreements is is separate even from the act of what he was doing, of what he was trying to do. Right. What point he was trying to make. Mm-hmm. Everybody else... They all have agreements also. Mm-hmm. They're all separate. Right. They happen to be, you know, the, uh, what's it, combinations, permutations and combinations from, uh, from math back right, in the day. Right, right, it's right, all, right. there's that little layover area. But everybody still has to, has a family to support, has a job yeah. to do and yeah. like move on. No, not move on from the, the, the important the, issues. Exactly. Yeah. Move yeah. on from the stupid. Yeah. I, I hope they, I don't know, well, I mean, by the time some of the people hear this recording, uh, either the game will have not been played yet or it will have been played. So we'll see how it all turns out you Go know, team! next week. Go team! Um, I'm assuming you're going for the Patriots? No. Okay, good. No, I would, I wanted Kansas City to win. Yeah, me too. That would have been great. Yeah. Because uh, yeah. Melissa Etheridge sang the national anthem, and that's why they should have won. No, because <laughs> the game itself was fantastic. Uh, but if I may add another element of Gladys Knight on Gladys you. Knight. Have you been watching the show... Uh, unmasked singer, or the masked singer? masked singer. Sorry, no, but I've heard <laughs> they about get it. Unmasked at the I've end heard of about it. It's not good. Okay, but the performances are good. The element of the uh, the panel is a bit whatever. Jenny McCarthy's on it. Um, uh, what's his name? Blurred lines. Oh, Robin Thicke. Robin Thicke. Thank mm-hmm. you very much. What's his name again? The other one. Uh, <laughs> Dr. Ken. Right. He's on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, Nicole Scherzinger's on it. And they've just added the guy from, uh, I don't remember his name. And I, mostly because I'm like, why is he there all of a sudden? There's a fifth person. <laughs> and he seems a bit sort of like sarcastic, but whatever. So they all try and guess who it is. Mm-hmm. And Jenny McCarthy 
will regularly say something like, I think it's, and she'll grab some name that would never do this show, <laughs> you know? But anyways, so far, mm. Fran Tarkenton, no, t- um, what's his name? Bradshaw. Oh, right. Fran Terry Bradshaw. The hundred. Uh, Terry Bradshaw was one of the singers. Uh, um, Tommy Chong. Okay. Of Cheech and Chong. Yep. And um, Margaret Cho has oh, just wow. been unmasked. Okay. Now, the other two that I'm sure they are, and if you go to Twitter, you can see that uh, the rest of the world agrees with my claims. Uh, one of them is Donny Osmond. Mm-hmm. And the other is Gladys Knight. Gladys Knight. Gladys Knight is going to win this thing. Go, girl. Because she's so Gladys Knight. <laughs> she Just last week, uh, if it's her, and I think it is, she did um, uh, Locked Out of Heaven. Oh, wow. And well. Go, girl. Well, it's Gladys Knight. It's Gladys Knight. Oh, so, we'll see. When she's unmasked. Yeah. It's funny because that you bring up the show because our previous guest that just joined us, David Wilde. Uh, uh, who was, follows me on Twitter. Follows me too, Sharon. Yeah, he's been following me for years, though. Got it. Uh, he, he consulted on the show. And he said really? he actually really enjoyed being a part of the process. And he writes now for the Grammys, I believe Yeah, it he is. does. He's, he's a everywhere. really awesome guy. Yeah. Super nice man. Yeah. But like a guy. Yeah. Fun and he guy. also... Um, uh, was a part of, I think, again, the consulting team for that CNN series last year, like, you know, the 80s, the 90s, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, not, I think, I know, I interviewed him about it. So specifically the 90s, I know. So he's great. I'm, I was super happy to have him on the show. And, and yeah, again, follow him uh, at Wild About Music. He's awesome. He's uh, His cool factor has always been up here because he wrote for Rolling Stone magazine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And we just talked about um, how he uh, interviewed Janet, actually, for Rolling Stone. And, and he said that she was amazeballs, basically. He didn't use that word, but I, I hope not. <laughs> so Sharon Highland, <laughs> thank you so much for this. And it's a pleasure, Kelly. Great. That is, uh, again, our music editor, Sharon Hyland. And we'd love for you to check out the podcast that we host together, 90s Now. Uh, you get a full dose of the 90s and the now. It's available at 90snow.com, as well as on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, and Spotify. The Kelly Alexander Show, bringing you fresh sounds like this. New York rock band X Ambassadors are back with a brand new single which is going to be included on their upcoming second album. The song is called Boom and lead singer Sam Harris says the song is about breaking off toxic relationships and he said that after he sort of went through some of this uh, troubling time he was writing songs and they were all sad and he's like no I need to write one that gives my pain some power. So here it is. Boom. It's awesome. The band's new album by the way their first since 2015's VHS is going to be released later on this year. We only stay as long about the Julian Taylor band several years ago when I interviewed the lead singer Julian Taylor and I've been a fan of their sound ever since. They managed to blend a lot of styles like soul, R&B, blues and rock into this really silky smooth mix and I'm totally into their new single called Back Again which you're hearing now. Their new album Avalanche by the way is going to drop on March 29th. I 
am so excited for you to hear this piece of music from Florence and the Machine. It's one of the best new songs I've heard in a long time. Florence first showcased this song live as part of her High as Hope tour in Australia, and now she's officially released it to the fans. It's called Moderation. I cannot tell you how much I love this track. It's amazing. Now, Florence and the Machine currently on tour in New Zealand. They're going to head off to Germany and other parts of Europe, and then they're going to play one date so far in North America in 2019, June 1st in New York City. New music on The Kelly Alexander Show. We'd love for you to subscribe to our show. We're on major podcast platforms like iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, and Google Play. Now it's time to chat with graphic designer Amy Stevlin. I first found out about Amy years ago when I saw her phenomenal designs honoring Janet Jackson. Amy is currently in the throes of producing a very special project regarding Janet, celebrating the 30th anniversary of Janet's Rhythm Nation album. Amy, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Kelly. It's great to be talking to you. So I'm super happy to uh, to have you on the show because, like, I I think I kind of stalked you for a while when I <laughs> when I first saw your work like years ago, and I don't want to date our ages, but it probably was a good 20 years ago. Um, <laughs> so can we can we talk a little bit first of all about how you actually got into drawing? Like, did you start when you were a kid? I sure did. Yeah, I was kind of a weird kid. I would, I mean, I was drawing things off the TV from an early age, so movies and things like that. So um, it, moving into music and videos just was a natural sort of evolution. When you were sort of first starting out the drawing, like, did you always sort of gear towards music things, or was it like, a, like just everything? It's always been like you know, entertainment focused. What, like I think some of the goofy things I did as a kid was like Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein and Wizard of Oz and things like that. So it's always sort of been like uh, inter- entertainment focused. Okay, cool. Now, did you actually get formal training in graphic design in, in the grand scheme of things or did you do this all sort of on your own? I am pretty much self-taught. I've, I've taken a class here and there, but uh, I mean, I'll, I'll be totally honest, never went to college for this, never, uh, never really formally studied, but, uh, but uh, it takes a lot of mileage, pencil mileage and practice. So, Wow, that's amazing. Good yeah. for you. Good for you that you've d- done most of this on your own. So now I want to bring you over to our shared love of Janet. So uh, yes. how, did you, uh, how did Janet come to you? Oh my goodness. So I, I think that my earliest recollection of, you know, knowing who Janet was, was watching fame. There was just something about her character that, that I was just drawn to her. Like she just didn't, she had something that a lot of the other cast members didn't have. So I think that was like my first sort of recollection of her. And then I, I sort of, uh, you know, would come to know her, you know, music later, uh, during the control, um, uh, era, but uh, we weren't allowed to watch a lot of that stuff in my house, so I had to sneak out and watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. That's awesome. And uh, taking you back a little bit, what was your first Janet song that really kind of, uh, you know, again, sort of brought it all home? Because I think, and I think I've said this on the show before, uh, it was Escapade for me. Like, I knew of Janet before, and obviously I was a fan of, of her control stuff, but I was a bit younger then, so it really hit home when Rhythm Nation sort of kicked in. So for me, it's Escapade, but what song is it for you? Yeah, the, oh, the song that really got my attention was When I Think of You. Okay, that great. That song, so happy, 
just man those opening chords <laughs> amazing <laughs> and uh they had the best fashion in the 80s also so oh, it yeah. was shoulder pads <laughs> out the yin yang it was awesome yes yeah i love those blazers those suits those sharp suits and the big hair that's so cool uh joining us on the show is graphic designer amy stevlin again you can follow her on her social media at amy tunes um after all these years what is it about janet that has sort of kept you a faithful fan Oh my goodness. I think to just simmer it down is, I feel like Janet is a better human than most. Yep. <laughs> She's just such a, an amazing person, you know, outside of all her talent. Um, I just think, you know, her love and uh, everything just comes through everything that she does. And I think um, that's just something that's, that's very rare and very, very much needed uh, in this day and age. So um, I, I guess to try and put it in a nutshell, that that's what it would be. Okay, cool. Now, can you talk to us a little bit about your first contact with Janet after she got wind of your drawings? Yeah, so uh, there was a, gosh, there was a contest long time ago with the Friends of Janet fan club, and uh, they had a contest for poems and drawings and things of that sort. And that was where I think she first, um, you know, saw my work was through that contest. But um, Janet had really uh, conquered social media before it ever existed in the 90s. And I think she she managed to find my website or her and uh, her then husband, Renee, I think, found my website or found my drawings uh, in some capacity online. I, I had I made a really bad AOL website back in the day. And um, they, they were just really supportive. They reached out. Uh, we exchanged some emails, some chats, some phone calls. They were really super supportive. Now, did you, if memory serves, you've met her in person, correct? A few times, very briefly, yeah. Okay, cool. And what was that like? Uh, it, it's, <laughs> it's, it's amazing. It's crazy. It's, it's uh, like I said, it's very, it all happens very quickly. Um, it's really hard to have, you know, that, that real moment with somebody when, you know, they don't really know who you are. Mm -hmm. but you feel like you know them. Um, but she's, she's so gracious and um, so kind and um, she's quite silly and funny. Um, all the things that, that, you know, people say about her, I, I, you know, would sort of vouch for that. She was great. That's awesome. And has she, uh, you know, because I've obviously she's seen a bunch of your drawings. And so has she sort of ever picked a few out that she was like, Oh my God, this, like, I really love this one or. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, a long time ago, I had done th this series. I, I think it's what basically started it all was I did these series of, of Janet and, and her various, you know, costumes in, in this style of, you know, almost like the Jackson 5 cartoon. Um, and those were the ones that she really enjoyed. And that was, um, you know, way back in, in the day when, um, you know, we were we would first chat. So it was really those that, that it seemed like she really loved was, it was that connection to the, the Jackson 5 cartoon. That's so cool. Now, talk to us about how you ended up working with um, MTV, I guess, in conjunction with some Janet stuff back in 97. Yeah, that was um, that was sort of out of the blue. I, I still to this day don't really know how that happened. Um, if that was just a function of, you know, the early Internet and people being savvy and finding things. But, um, yeah, I was I was approached by one of the producers to um, create these animation segments. And again, they, they were looking to um sort of recapture that essence of the Jackson 5 cartoon, but but keep it, uh, you know, sort of modern for Janet and the show. Uh, it was uh, called MTV Biorhythm. It was all um, narrated by different songs. So there wasn't re any really uh, any interviews or anything. It was all just sort of like this kaleidoscope of um, animation and video clips and music. 
it turned out really, really cool. That's amazing. And how long did that take to do? I'm sure that was a lot of work. Yeah, it was. I I feel like I spent quite a few weeks on that for, and those animations would literally only be on the screen for, you know, a second or two. So it was a lot of work. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. And do you have one that is, is like still a favorite to this day that you did? Uh, on that show or yeah. just in general? On the show. Um, I like the one with the little, um, it, it's a, it, it's Janet in Scream and she's sitting on that little chair with the, um, the remote control. Yeah. She does like a little click, click yeah. and a wink. <laughs> That's so cool. That's awesome. Yeah. And, uh, before we start talking about your upcoming project or the one that you're sort of already in, I did want to ask you because Janet, um, I think she said this too in, in multiple interviews over the years, how, you know, it, it's important for her to sort of change her style up because she doesn't want to get bored, especially I, I would say in the 90s, she was very much into that. And the early 2000s, um, as someone who, you know, captures her likeness, uh, is there a specific era that you found to be like particularly intriguing? Oh man. I mean, yeah, there's so many great ones. There's, there's ones that are just really where she's just classically gorgeous. And then there's some where she's just like really out there and exploring and, um, you know, being really, um, you know, imaginative. Um, I think, I, I don't know. I think I'm probably partial to sort of the Janet era, which, um, I think where she's just, you know, so classically gorgeous. Um, that's really fun to draw. Amazing. Joining us on The Kelly Alexander Show is graphic designer Amy Stevlin. You can follow her on her social media at Amy Tunes. So let's talk a little bit about the uh, the project you're working on now, which is related to Rhythm Nation's uh, 30th anniversary. So tell us all about it. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a big year for Janet fans. Uh, 2019 is the 30th anniversary of the Rhythm Nation project, as you said. And um, also, along with the Janet era, the Rhythm Nation era is also filled with a lot of great looks and um, outfits and hairdos and uh, things of that nature. So, um, yeah, just really wanted to, you know, dig back into that catalog Um while we're sort of re rediscovering it and uh, I'm be doing a series of portraits uh, from the different videos and performances or um, just significant timeline pieces from that era. Now, as of this chat that you and I are having, you've already released the uh, the first one, which was uh, your take on, on Escapade, which is fantastic. Like I sent you a message right away. I was like, this is amazing. And <laughs> so how did you go about picking um, the pictures that we are going to see coming up? Like, was it was it a hard choice? Was it easy? Like, do you plan to do like like a bunch? Yeah. So currently there's a series of six, which I'll be rolling out slowly over the course of the next uh, few weeks or months. But um, yeah, I mean, I think I really just wanted to, you know, of course, dig into the different styles. I didn't want them to all look the same. So um, I, I really reached in and tried to look for all the um, the styles that were you know, unique to each other. And um, also just some of the iconic moments of that era is really what I, what I leaned into. Okay, amazing. And now, uh, when it comes to Rhythm Nation, um, I guess I would want to ask you too, because I know five years ago on, on this show here, we celebrated the 25th anniversary, so I can't believe it's already 30 years. Right. And, uh, <laughs> you know, for so many of us, that was, um, I mean, all of our albums are prolific, but I think for many of us, that might have been the first album that was kind of really brought to us or like came, you know, depending on, on sort of your age uh, group or age range. But um, for you, out of Rhythm Nation, 
what's the, I guess, all-encompassing message that always sort of sticks to you about that album? Yeah, you know, I think this is, Rhythm Nation was the moment that I really, I think, connected with Janet on a really personal level. Um, and I also had a little bit more freedom to sort of dive into her her catalog and her videos and things. But I think, you know, I... I was, is, probably forever will be a tomboy. And I think, <laughs> you know, watching Janet on the screen in, in Rhythm Nation and, um, you know, things during that era was, you know, something about the way that she um, leaned into a different type of femininity and a different type of sensuality that really caught my eye. I mean, it, it, the way that she sort of led with her music and her message as opposed to her image um, was really different. And I think it, it spoke to me in a way that said, you know, women don't have to, you know, all be a certain way. You can be different, being different's okay. And, and the way that you carry yourself is unique and it still, you know, has the same value to the world. So I think that was a big thing that I, you know, took with me, you know, now as an adult, that that, that was really um, powerful to me. Totally agree with you. Totally agree with you. Because yeah, I remember being a tomboy too at that age. And <laughs> I love that we didn't all have to look like Barbie dolls. And yes. uh, that she was able to get the message apart and that she was still feminine, but she was strong. And yeah, the whole black and white situation too, it was more about the message as opposed to, you know, seeing what color lip gloss she had on, you know, at the For time. Sure. Yeah, so absolutely. yeah, amazing. And I did want to ask you too, like all these years later, um, you know, we're so happy that she's she's back after the break from, from having the baby. She was out on tour this past year of course. What are your thoughts on uh, just where she's at now? Because I find that since she's come back, my personal opinion since the, the break is that uh, having Issa has like just totally reignited this like passion and fire in her. Yeah, I, I see it. And I think, you know, I, I think Rhythm Nation, you know, being very relevant is I think, you know, now that she has a son, um, you know, she really wants the world to be a, a loving um you know, positive place for her son to grow up in. So I think, um, you know, there's, there's that piece of it. And then there's, um, you know, just getting out whatever, you know, creativity she has in her at this time. So it's exciting to see what, uh, yeah, what she'll come out with next. And your thoughts on the upcoming induction, because, uh, you know, so many of, of us are obviously thrilled that this is finally happening and finally, because it should have happened, you know, years ago, but finally happening. And again, a shout out to Mike Litherland and his crew for doing all their very best to, to get that happening and, 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 you know, bring awareness. But uh, yeah, Amy, as someone who's been a fan of hers for, you know, so, so long, uh, what does it mean to you that she's finally getting um, in recognition, which I know doesn't, you know, need to happen necessarily, but I think, right. I think it's amazing. I think it's, 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 it's due and it's just and, sh and and yes, it doesn't matter, but I think it does matter. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. I'm not even really sure what I can add that, that you didn't really already say. But yeah, I mean, I think it's really important, um, you know, that Janet is acknowledged for her um, influence and her accomplishments and her contributions to music and culture. And um, I think it's important that people understand that, you know, rock and roll, um, you know, came from you know, R&B, blues music from African-Americans. And I think she is a, you know, extension of that. And I think it's time that people start acknowledging that as well. I totally agree. I think it's amazing. And yeah, and uh, what's sort of been um, upsetting to me over the years with the fact that she hasn't got in there is that 
I think some of the commentary were, you know, it's like, well, how is she really influenced? And I'm like, how is she not? She's influenced right. everybody, right? It just seems like such a no-brainer. So uh, yeah. very grateful that she's finally getting in there. And I did want to bring this up. I, and I think a lot of your fans know this. And I do say fans because there are many of us that are big fans of your work, Amy. So um, I know that you'd mentioned in your uh, in your email to me, and I think you, you've been forthcoming about it before, that you had an, a hand injury uh, years ago that impeded your drawing. And uh, I'm just wondering, because I know like all of us go through tough times. There's you know, depending on what it is. And I think for a lot of us who are Janet fans, we do lean on her music to help get through that. So was Janet um, in some sort of way supportive as you went through that injury? Yeah, I mean, it sounds really corny, <laughs> but but yeah, I mean, you know, just as, you know, Janet sort of offered a, a glimpse of, you know, what, you know, the type, the different types of women we could all be, um, you know, in my life as an adult, she you know, a couple of her songs had, had also gotten me through this rough time when I had injured my hand. Um, it really was um, uh, a, a pretty tough time in my life with your, you know, when your career and your sort of identity are all wrapped up in, you know, this thing that you've always been known for. And then to have that go away was, was pretty devastating at the time. And, and yeah, it was, you know, it was Janet's music and um, it was also remembering, you know, her support of me all those years ago that was like, you know, I just, I can't just not draw for the rest of my life. Um, so yeah, that, you know, she was a big part of, you know, some of the soul searching that I did during that time. And I would eventually have to retrain myself on, uh, you know, my sort of rewire my brain on how I would work. So um, those of you that have, you know, followed me for, you know, since the nineties, I guess we'll put it like that. Yep. <laughs> You'll probably see a, a, you know, a pretty marked change in my style after around 2008, 2009. So, um, you know, as, as Janet has reinvented herself, <laughs> you know, many, many times, um, you know, I sort of took that cue that like, you know, it's not over, you can still, you know, be creative and do things. So, um, yeah, that was, I, I took a lot, um, again, a lot of inspiration, um, you know, from her, uh, during that part of my life. Well, my hat's off to you because um, I can only imagine what it would be like to go through something like that where you're not sure if you can continue to go in the direction you had been going with the use of that hand because obviously it was, pro you know, your dominant hand, I'm, I'm imagining. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I can only imagine. So I, I, my hat's off to you that you were committed and determined. And yeah, it's funny because I think a lot of us, uh, for whatever challenges we've gone through in our lives, I, it, it feels like Janet's always there because it seems like <laughs> she it seems like she knows. That's kind of my, my stock for you. It's like she knows, she slash gets it. So... Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I don't know, this is probably corny too. It's like, a, she's like a fairy godmother or right. she's, you know, she's just, <laughs> yeah, she's just there. I mean, she doesn't really know it, but yeah, she really is. Yeah. And I think she presents herself in such an authentic way uh, to her fans that there's no reason why we wouldn't just continue to love her. And I know, um, just like as a sidebar, all the interviews that I've done with numerous people that have worked with her, never once has there been one person who has said even anything remotely bad about her. Like they're always just so in love with her and, and how the, and how she's helped their career and all that kind of stuff. So I think she really does um, walk her talk. That's for sure. Absolutely. Uh, so before I let you go, I did want to ask, um, apart from the Rhythm Nation project that you're working on, are there other things that you want your fans to be on the lookout for? Um, well, like I said, I'll be rolling out this particular series over the next uh, few uh, weeks and months, probably. Um, probably some of the things that JanFam uh, probably knows about, but coming up on Sunday, February 3rd, we're going to take to social media for the second annual Janet Jackson Appreciation Day. So um, I'll, I might be rolling out some things at that time, too, just in support of, of that particular uh, campaign. And um, 
I know there's going to be a special focus on uh, the Demita Joe album during that as well. So get your streaming, uh, you know, fingers ready and uh, let's do that. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, on behalf of people who love your work, I just want to say thank you for everything that you've done because I, I immediately, every time I see something that you do that's, that's well, whatever it is, but especially when it's Janet, it always brings a smile to my face immediately. So for sure, as much as Janet brings us lots of joy, so does your artwork. So thank you oh, so much <laughs> for, uh, for all the I work over the years. I appreciate that so much. Uh, I really enjoy doing them. They are a labor of love, and I'm, I'm glad that other people, um, you know, get joy from from looking at them. So thanks, Kelly. No problem. And let me just tell you, I cannot draw, like, anything. I was actually told by my um, university professor that I needed to redo my storyboards, and I spent, like, two hours on them. So uh, oh, no. I am not I am not someone that can draw, so I appreciate all of your <laughs> efforts because uh, there's many of us that cannot do anything remotely. Like, I have problems with stick figures. So, <laughs> so uh, thanks so much for spending time with us on the show, Amy. We, we really appreciate it. You're so welcome. Pleasure's mine. That's graphic designer Amy Stevlin. Make sure you follow her on social media at Amy Tunes, and that is A-I-M-E-E Tunes. Well, thank you so much for spending time with us on the show this week. We always appreciate it. Thank you as well to our guests, David Wilde and Amy Stevlin. My thanks going out as well to our super producer, Adam Briesel. Please make sure you follow us and subscribe to us on all of our major platforms, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher Radio. We'd also love for you to grab all of our social media. You can do that by hitting up our website, kellyalexandershow.com. Have an excellent week. You and I'll chat soon. The Kelly Alexander Show.